afternoon, class of 2013. Thank you so much for allowing me to be part of your celebrations today. Today, you are surrounded by those who love you best and who are really responsible for getting you so far. Your parents and your grandparents and your siblings and your friends, and it's because of them. It's because of their love and their support. They're pushing, at times, that you are positioned for the futures that you are now facing. And to the grandparents and parents and friends, I know that you are looking out in this audience, sitting next to your baby, about to graduate. I know the feeling of this day approaching. My niece is a member of the class of 2013, and she's about to graduate. And I was, many decades ago, a student here. And I have four children, so I know what that feels like. Your baby is leaving the nest. They're off to their real life. But today, I want to lay your fears to rest. They're not really leaving you, and no, I'm not speaking metaphorically, like they're really not leaving you. They're going to be home with their laundry, their friends, their stuff. They are not leaving. Between now and I'm guessing age 40, they will be living back in their bedrooms, probably three times at least. For you students who feel like today may be the end of an era, a day that you say goodbye to a community you've known, the friends that you've had now for years, saying goodbye to your school. Again, let me lay your fears to rest. You're not. Harvard will keep track of you forever. It was not accidental that we had present presentations from the Alumni Association. Harvard will follow you on Twitter, at HarvardU, seem familiar? And they will send you a barrage of emails about fundraisers because you are about to be alums. You have jobs. You have actual money that doesn't belong to your parents. That means your potential donors. Those of you who are going on to investment banking where you will work 120 hours a week as analysts to the point where your own mothers will not be able to get you on the phone, Harvard will track you down. <laughs> Those of you who are joining the Peace Corps in the remotest parts of the globe, Harvard will track you down even if there is no cell phone service where you are. Trust me on this. Now you know how class day is supposed to work. As the speaker, I should sit up here and spout some brilliance and you students should nod and soak it all in. But truly, I tend not to give advice and I'll tell you why. Many years ago, I was asked by a woman's magazine if I could tell them the best advice my mother had ever given. And I said, I think that's a very bad idea. Because my mother uh, is an immigrant from Cuba, and she is a, a tough nut mom. She's not sort of warm and fuzzy mom. She's kind of tough. So I said, let's not do that. And they said, no, this is a great idea. What is the best advice your mother ever gave you? It'll be half page, you two hugging. I said, uh, OK. My mother's best advice was, most people are idiots. The editor, it was. The editor on the phone call you back. Click. Never heard from her again. But it was true. It was the best advice because I think that many people will tell you and spend their lives telling you what you cannot do, what you should not do, what you will never be able to accomplish. They'll tell you why your ideas will not work, why you will fail when you try something you haven't done. And her point was, they're idiots, 
And I think my mother would be in a position to know. My parents are both immigrants to this country. They met in 1958. My dad is white and Australian. My mother is black and from Cuba. And they met because they both went to daily mass. My mom would walk, but my father had a car, and he would drive up next to my mom and basically hit on her. He'd wind down the wind on her. He'd wind down the window of his car and say, would you like a ride? Every single day, daily mass. And every day she would say, no, thank you, because you don't take a ride from someone you don't know well, even if you're going to sit next to them in church. One day she said, yes, I would like to take a ride. And they made a date to go on a date. And that night, every single restaurant they went to in Baltimore, Maryland in 1958 turned them away because my mom is black and my father's white. And they would say to my father, you can come in, but to my mother, absolutely not, and certainly not together. So my mother eventually, after being turned away from every restaurant, took my father back to her apartment and made him an amazing meal of Cuban food, because she's a tremendous cook. And she would share that story with me and my sisters. And her entire point was, see, girls, if you could cook, you could get a man. <laughs> I like to say, I can't make it, but I can make it happen. My parents decided that they would get married at the end of 1958, when interracial marriage was illegal in their state, Maryland, and 16 other states. And they drove to Washington, D.C., and got hitched, and drove back and lived in Baltimore illegally. And when their friends said, whatever you do, don't have kids, because biracial kids will not fit in this world, I'm number five of six. My parents were terrible listeners every step of the way. And from that, I've learned, do not listen to other people's take on the life you should lead. My parents were excellent role models in not listening. So I won't give you any advice today. I'll just tell you what I've seen. By not listening, you can figure out what your heart is telling you to do. When I was at Harvard, I was studying English and American literature, and I was pre-med. But then I realized that telling stories was my passion, and I switched and started working at a local TV station. It kind of worked out. Now I travel the globe telling stories. Not taking advice means you'll break those boundaries, those walls that exist that make us feel like we're different from other people we meet. Not taking advice means you'll stop looking for meaning in things that have no meaning. Listen, some relationships are not meant to be. Delete those numbers from your phone and move on. Bad things sometimes happen, and they'll continue to happen until good people get in the way. And I've seen this time and time again in every single story I've covered. Be that good person. Decide what you want to be. And I'm not talking about a job. I'm talking about the kind of person you want to be. It is up to you and no one else. People can be mean and unfair, but more, far, far more people are good and they're generous and they're helpful and they're hopeful. And that means that you're going to have to lead with an open heart. And it also means that that little heart probably is going to get stomped on a few more times than you'd like. But if you go where your passion and your heart leads you, I guarantee you, you will have incredible experiences. I have. Leaning in. As Sheryl Sandberg likes to say, it's not just a strategy for women in business early in their careers. 
It's advice for everybody. But I would add, lean in to use your voice and lean in to make change where it needs to be made and lean in to invest your heart and your soul in ideas and people maybe others don't care for or even don't see the value in. Because leaning back when you're young is just another word for cynicism. And that's not clever when you've been given all the advantages that you have been given in education if you are sitting here today. In 1958, my mother and father were living as a married couple in Baltimore, Maryland. And my mother would tell me the story of how people would spit on them as they walked down the street together. I would say to her, how did you deal with that? I mean, what did you do? And she said, oh, lovey, called me lovey, oh, lovey, we knew America was better than that. And we knew we had to be part of making it better. That's what it was about. And she knew that if you were knocked off your path anytime someone spit on you, literally or metaphorically, you might not get to where you were trying to go. Because she had a dream, which was the American dream, and a dream that she would realize as all coming out of poverty in Cuba and all of her six kids graduating from Harvard and one of her grandchildren sitting in this audience today. So please, as my mother would advise you if she were here, don't listen to idiots. Figure out your dream and be brave enough to go and live it. Otherwise, as a friend told me the other day, someone will hire you to help them with their dream. And if that doesn't sound quite as fulfilling, does it? Today you begin new amazing things and maybe some mundane crap too. For some of you, you probably should learn how to work a fax machine, hmm? <laughs> I spent my first year out of college answering phones and removing staples from walls. But my dream, which was to tell stories of people whose stories often weren't told, like my mom, like many people in this audience, people who are on the cusp of amazing things if they decide to be brave and committed to what life could be, unfettered from the expectations of others, and truly, truly unafraid. What I have seen in my career, whether covering tsunamis in Asia or Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans or earthquakes in Haiti, is that pretty much everybody wants the same thing. We're much more alike than we're different. You need to break through walls that you think exist between people who don't look like you and don't act like you because those walls don't have to exist. You need to seek to understand why people act like they do, why people do what they do. And seek to know people where they are. You don't always have to agree, but having conversations is the only way to bridge the distance in understanding each other. Not taking advice means you can choose to stand up for people who need your voice. And you'll have chances, unfortunately, every day to say, this is not okay, or you can choose to walk by and avert your eyes when you see an injustice, big or small. Be that person who stops, and at the risk of not voicing a popular opinion, say, this is not okay. This is not okay. Because America is better than that. You have probably the greatest education money can buy if you're sitting here. And that means that you have an obligation because not everybody has had the chance that you get to have.
And that obligation is use the power that you've been given to help others who have not been quite so lucky. To use your voice in defense of those who cannot speak for themselves. Don't let people kill your joy. You'll find them. They will glom onto your shoes like gum. So I would advise, starting today, remove people from your life who make you feel bad about who you are and what you want to be. Don't let people steal your joy from life. You have your lives ahead of you to do well and do good in this world, and to be great and to be good to others, and find greatness and seek out goodness in other people because it is all around us. Tomorrow will be a day of big questions. Who do you want to be? What do you want to stand for? You have been positioned, class of 2013, to do great things, but do them in service of others, and you will discover that selflessness is ultimately what makes you great. Congratulations and good luck.